Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it, it's so, so good to be with you guys today. Uh, I was here for your grand opening, and so it's kind of, I was sitting right over there, so it's crazy now to be up here and get an opportunity to hang with you guys. But I got to be honest out of the gate, uh, I don't like Sundays a whole lot. Sundays bother me. There's some things that really bother me about Sundays. Uh, first, first, I really think the NFL should be all year. Like every Sunday, I should be able to sit on my couch and watch Erlacher and the crew, right? Anyone with me on that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it should be all year. Second, second thing that really bothers me is Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. Now... <laughs> Now, I understand 80% of you, you don't know what I'm talking about yet, but just wait. You will be converted at Water Tower Place, right? Go there. Your life will be changed. Talk about moments that lead to movement. I mean, it's unbelievable. Head to Chick-fil-A. But it's awful. I mean, Sunday. Sunday, it's closed. These are some things that bother me about Sunday. Some other things, more serious things that bother me about Sundays, and this is just some things I've noticed over the years, uh, maybe you have as well, is uh, people come to places uh, like this, all over the world, right, to church, and they come to be restored, they come to find hope, and, and oftentimes, you know, more times than, uh, than, than we'd like, they, they leave even more broken, they leave shamed, they leave um, just in, in a really rough spot. Uh, other thing I don't like about Sunday oftentimes is it's typically the most segregated day of the week instead of the most unified. But over the last year and a half, the thing that's probably bothered me the most, and uh, it's what I want to talk about today, is Sundays all too often are a day when dreams are crushed instead of released, right? Uh, they're days when, when dreamers like you and me um, are restricted instead of turned loose, instead of inspired. And this really bothers me because I believe that God has created you to dream. I believe that God has created you and me to dream. There's this little verse in, in Proverbs, and, and it's easy to just roll right past it because it's only, it's only eight words. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And this word vision, all right, I'm going to impress you with my Hebrew knowledge because uh, the word vision, it's, it comes from this word, kazon. Can we try this? Speak some Hebrew on July 3rd. Say kazon. Come on. Yeah, it's kind of fun, right? I mean, it kind of clears some things up, too. Kazom. All right, and, and uh, I don't really know any Hebrew, but I do know that word, all right? And, and what that word means in this verse, it means a dream. It means a dream. It means a vision. It means a revelation from God. When dreams aren't happening, they're not being stirred, there is no life. And we see in Joel 2 and in Acts 2 that a mark of the Spirit of God on a community and on a person is when dreams are happening, when the old are dreaming and the young are seeing visions, right? We know this from the scriptures. God has created you to dream. I believe that like within this room, and I've been thinking about today, I, I got here way early. It only took me like 25 minutes to get here. I got to walk around the block a little while to pray and just try to uh, just you know, discern what's going on in this church and in this city. The potential that sits in this room is unbelievable. The potential that sits in this room, because I believe that deep within every heart in this room, there is a God-ordained vision. There is a dream that must be released, a kingdom of God kind of dream, a dream that is so much bigger than you, a dream that scares you to death, right? I mean, it's terrifying, these kinds of dreams that God gives, a dream that will absolutely bring you to the end of yourself, but a dream, if released, could change people. I mean, it could change neighborhoods. It could even change a great city like ours, Chicago, dreams that could even change the world right here in this room, untapped dreams. And this is what I'm here to talk about today. I believe that God has created you to dream. As Jarrett mentioned, uh, this last year and a half, 
And it's been terrifying. All right, let's just be real. I'm not like this super brave, courageous guy. Uh, I've, I've been so scared. Um, Kelly and I, my wife, we, we left an amazing church. Uh, last night, it was like the first time I went back. Um, and there's David Crowder, maybe you've heard of him. He had a concert, and uh, it was pretty good. He, turns out he knows what he's doing. And so I was sitting there, and I was in uh, their auditorium, this church called Willow Creek, huge auditorium. Uh, most of you probably have never been there or heard of it, but 7,200-seat auditorium. Two years ago from this weekend, I was preaching in that auditorium. And I don't say that to impress anyone, if you know me, but the, the amazing thing was as I was sitting there, I was thinking about next Sunday night, I'm going to be in a lunchroom, preaching to our launch team, right? There's like not many people at all. And I was sitting there and just thinking, God, you're crazy. You are unbelievable. What you have called us to do to step out with a four-month-old and what I've been learning over this past year and a half is that God absolutely, man, he has created you to dream. He has created me to dream. And I want to share just a few things, just a few things in the next few minutes. I'm not going to be talking long, all right? But a few things in the next few minutes that God has been really just teaching me when it comes to dreaming. The first thing is this. You got to see the unseen. You have to see the unseen. It's been said like this before, that sight is a function of the eyes, but vision is a function of the heart. I love that. Let me, let me just say it again. Sight is a function of the eyes, but vision is a function of the heart. To see the unseen, you, you don't do it with your eyes. You do it from within. It reminds me of this story of a guy named Walt. And um, Walt was... Uh, it was in the 60s, so he was sitting there uh, doing what he loved to do most, which was smoke marijuana in the 60s. I'm just kidding. He wasn't, he wasn't doing that, all right? He, he was sitting there, and he was dreaming, all right? This is what Walt loved to do in the 60s. It was just a couple days after Disney World had been started. They had one ride, and so here was Walt Disney sitting on this bench, staring like aimlessly, and one of these groundskeepers of, of his noticed that he was just there, and he was kind of looking off into the distance, and the guy got a little concerned because he was kind of old, and, and so he went over and he said, Walt, is everything Okay. And he said, son, oh yeah, everything's great. I, I'm just looking uh, kind of at the mountain out here in front of me. And now the groundskeeper got like really, really concerned because this is Orlando, like no mountains anywhere, right? And he said, uh, I don't know. And, and Walt said, no, no, you got to understand. I see it. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely stunning. He's like, I'm looking at it right now. It's my mountain. What happened just a little bit after that is Walt passed away. So Walt dies. And it looked like that dream of the mountain died with them. But about a decade after that, the architects, they took up this dream. They began to make this unbelievable mountain, Space Mountain. Some of you have been on it before. I talked to my nephew about this yesterday. He's, he, he loves, loves this thing. Um, and so you've been on this. And what happened is when Space Mountain was constructed, they had this amazing ceremony with all these important people and these keynote speakers. And this one guy gets up there and he says, you know, it's a pity that Mr. Walt Disney is not here today to see this mountain. But we're sure glad that his wife is. And then he kind of handed the microphone to, to Miss Dizzy, and she gets up there. She says, I must correct this young man. Walt already saw the mountain. It is you who are just now seeing it. And, and I love that story. And I think about, man, if this guy could have that kind of drive, that kind of imagination for Disney World, right? For like, for rides, like for roller coasters. I mean, how much more could we? How much more should we? God created you to dream, and I believe that the voice of God within you is saying and maybe shouting today that there, there must be more. There's uncharted waters. Like, there must be more. There's people who have not yet heard of Jesus. All around this neighborhood, there are places of injustice and things of injustice that need to be righted. People that are broken, people that are oppressed, people that have no father figures, that you could actually be that in their life. There must be more. There must be more. 
And I've been thinking about this a lot, as you can imagine, the last year and a half, that in order to see a tomorrow that is different, today must be a day where we take action. I love dreaming, but dreaming has to translate into reality. Like, you got to move forward. You can't stay where you're at today. God has created you to dream. There's a story of this guy at Yale, and he was a sophomore, and he was in economics class. Anyone ever take economics? Yeah, worst class ever, all right? Um, I took it at a junior college, and I failed it. That just tells you the way I'm, what I'm good at and what I'm not good at, all right? Uh, it, was, it, was, it was College of DuPage, too. It was remedial economics. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, pretty bad. But this guy was a little bit smarter than me. He was at Yale taking economics, and, and the, the project was this, that, that he would turn in a paper of a, a, really a business plan, of his dream that would actually turn a profit and make money. So he does this, this young student, he's a sophomore, so he, he builds this business plan and he turns it into the professor. He's so excited about it. And the professor goes through it, like line by line, just marking stuff up uh, in all this red ink. And then he turns it back to this kid with a big C on it. And he says, this is awful. He says, you need to do this over. This dream is ridiculous. It's never going to work. It's certainly never going to make any money. I want you to do it again. And so this young sophomore, uh, instead of doing it again, actually left Yale and started FedEx, all right, Fred, Fred Smith. Yeah, yeah, he, he did okay. Turns out he, he did turn a little bit of profit. Like, I spend way too much money at FedEx every single year. You know, but I think about that story, and it's relevant to me. Uh, one, because I got C's on most of my papers in college. Uh, but, but secondly, secondly, here, here's what I'm learning. Here's what I'm learning, man. When you, when you begin to see the unseen, like, there's two types of people that are drawn to you. People just like that professor that are dream killers. Right? Do I have a witness? Right. They're dream killers. It's like their mission in this world to tell you how stupid you are and how this is never going to work. I mean, you know, this place used to be a Chevy dealership, right? I mean, imagine the stuff that was said to Jarrett and Jeannie. You're going to leave Atlanta to go to Chicago in the inner city? and What? You guys are crazy. You're going to leave Willow Creek to, to what? What are you doing? You're going to leave your corporate job or you're going to stay at your corporate job? What are you, what are you thinking? Dream killers. But on the other side, there's other people, and these are dream releasers. Dream releasers. God has created you to dream. He's also created you to not dream in isolation. Rooms like this, churches like this, I'm so thankful that they're started. Because this could be a community of dreamers. and a community of dream releasers, you could be called and commissioned by God to come alongside of someone else in this room, maybe next to you, to help release that dream. And I don't know why we're surprised by this at times, but we see it all throughout the movies. Some of the movies that have absolutely shaped my life. Let's start with this first one, Rocky. Okay? Yeah. Rocky would have never, never, wanna, uh, never won anything if it wasn't for his dream releaser. So who was behind Rocky? Help me out here. This is interactive. Mickey. Yeah, that was weak. Mickey. Come on, you've seen the movie. If not, something's wrong with you. All right. Uh, second one. Second one. This is one of my favorite holiday classics. Yes. Buddy. <laughs> Huh? I mean, he had a dream. He had a dream. He wanted to spread Christmas cheer for all the world to hear, right? But behind him was a dream releaser, and this was Papa Elf, right? Love, love Papa Elf. Uh, this next one, very formative for many of us. Um, Daniel, yes, LaRusso, karate kid. I just watched this for the hundredth time a couple weeks ago. But just think about it. If it wasn't for his dream releaser, the Cobra Kai would have prevailed that day because he had, he had this dream releaser, Mr. Miyagi, right? It was behind him. A dream would have never happened if it wasn't for Mr. So how about this last guy, uh, Dekka. Very thankful for this guy. His dream would have never have happened if it wasn't for his dream releaser. And who was behind him releasing his dream? Yeah, actually himself. <laughs> himself. Right, right. All right. So that, that, that kind of that trumps everything. Um, 
but that's Ditka, all right? There's only one, there's only one coach. I did that for you guys. I thought you'd like that. Man, God has created you to dream. He's created you to dream. And for you to be dream releasers as you're seeing the unseen, I just want to take, I have to just take like 30 seconds and thank you guys. Uh, I don't know 90% of you. Uh, my church uh, that we're getting ready to start, grand opening is in October. Uh, they'll probably never meet you. Our church out in the Burbs, uh, you may never attend. God has used you, Soul City, to release dreams in my heart and the heart of our young church. Uh, so many of you guys sitting in these seats, uh, you know, you put these walls up. I was here and I saw when it looked really bad, all right? And, and, and I got here early just so I could hang out, like in restoration. I mean, this like unbelievable, your lobby, it's like amazing. God has used you to be dream releasers. And Jared and Jeannie, we hung out at their house just over a year ago. And we're sitting there on the table and it was my last week of employment. And uh, they just were encouraging us and speaking life into us, helping release this dream. And I remember Jeannie just saying, John, God keeps telling me that there's this trade going on, all right, from comfort to courage. God's going to give you courage. Don't quit. Jeannie and Jared, you guys have been dream releasers in our life. And I actually remember that day when they're like, yeah, and we have no idea where we're going to meet. No idea. And then they called us, and, and they were just saying on the other line, God gave us this space. Unbelievable. Soul City, so much more is going on here than, you, than what you see. You're not just showing up to service. You're not just attending a small group. No, you're partnering with God the dream giver, to release dreams outside of these walls and in the hearts of people that you'll never meet. God has created you to dream. You've got to see the unseen. The second thing that God's been teaching me this past year and a half, this, this, is, this has been big, is to stay the course. To stay the course. As we go, as we step out, as we take action, as we ascend kind of up this path uh, after this dream that God's put within us. For us, it's a seven-year dream. It's been seven years to start this church in my hometown. Uh, what has met us on that path indescribable amounts of sacrifice and difficulties, all kinds of things that you never foresaw. All kinds of things. And so many of you, as I'm speaking right now, uh, you can absolutely relate to what I'm saying. As you've stepped out, the challenge hits, energy wanes, at times persecution, it comes. Reminds me of the story of this woman named Agnes who had deformed feet. Uh, She wasn't born with deformed feet, but God put a dream in her heart to come alongside the most... um, Poor, marginalized, abused people, arguably on, on the planet. And they were so poor that they had a shoe, uh, kind of like a shoe drop almost every single month. And what she would do, she'd put herself at the very end of the line so that they could have the better shoes, shoes that actually fit them. And month after month, year after year, she would take the shoes that didn't fit her. She, she would willingly choose to wear shoes that never fit her feet. And what happened year after year is over time, her feet literally uh, became deformed. God put a dream in her heart, and it wasn't to build an amusement park. It wasn't to start a mail company. You know, it was to deliver dignity to the poor, to the dying, to the diseased, to the forgotten. And unbelievable what God did through this woman, right? Many of us now, we know her as, as Mother Teresa. And when we stay the course, I, you know, this picture of her deformed feet has kind of been burned in my mind. It's hard to look at. But it's just kind of this picture, this snapshot of staying the course no matter how difficult it gets. The path of least resistance has never led to anything significant. It hasn't. The path of least resistance has never brought about anything radical. It hasn't done that. 
ever. But conversely, it's on the path of most resistance where city-renewing, world-changing, life-transformative dreams emerge. It's on that path, the path of most resistance. And I don't know why it is for me, I'll go first, that I get just like surprised by this. I can't believe this is hard to start a church. God, this should be easy, all right? As we're raising funds and trying to find facility, like they should just like, right? Man, I get so surprised when I've been thinking like, why do I get so surprised that this started at a cross, this movement that, that we're a part of, and some of you today are exploring being a part of, it started at a cross with a person named Jesus, the Son of God that came for you. He came for you. He came for me. And the reality is no one else is coming. And he went to that cross, and he was stretched out for all humanity. It, it, this started with incredible sacrifice. And then it could, just keeps moving on. The apostles weren't surprised by it. Like, all of them but one were martyred, just like their king. They were martyred. And I've been thinking, like, what if those apostles, um, I think it's, I can't remember where it's at, beginning of Acts or end of John or somewhere in there, where they're behind these locked doors. You ever read that? They're terrified, like many of us all the time. Imagine if they wouldn't have moved beyond those locked doors. Imagine the implications. Imagine that. Or just take the apostle Paul. Imagine if it would have just been too difficult for him. He said, you know what, I'm done. I'm done. The, the suffering, the beatings, all this stuff that I'm going through for the gospel to be spread throughout the world, I just, I'm done. Imagine if he would have quit. Imagine if he would have, re- would have retreated. Two-thirds of our New Testament, who may not have. Imagine. Or how about Luther in 1517 in Wittenberg, Germany, the castle church. You know, I like to kind of imagine if I was there watching it happen. Imagine, you know, as he kind of picks up the hammer and a nail and he's got the 95 theses. And he holds it up to the door. Imagine if he would have just kind of looked at all this and be like, what am I doing? This is a death sentence. Imagine if he would have just kind of let go. Imagine the implications. Or how about on August 28th, 1963, Martin Luther King Jr., as he's walking up the stairs to deliver this unbelievable speech, imagine like on his fifth step, if he's just like, wait a second, what am I doing? It's too much. This is too much. Like imagine if we would have never heard those those four words that have been burned into our mind and hearts for the rest of eternity, I think. I have a dream. Imagine, I mean, our country would completely be different if that wouldn't have happened. Imagine if he would have retreated. And my hope is right now, some of you, um, you know, you're questioning right now. You walk in these doors today and this dream that God has put in your heart, it's just gotten so difficult. More sacrifice has been demanded than you ever expected. And right now, in this moment, you're just not sure. Guys, my hope is that you will stay the course. The reality is you and I will never fully know the impact of running after these dreams, of staying the course, and at the same time, we'll never fully know the impact of retreating from those very dreams. We may, ne- we may never know. God has created you to dream. We have to see the unseen. We've got to stay the course. And this last thing that I've been learning is to seek the heart of God. And this may sound really obvious. Um, and I just think this is why this is powerful, what I'm about to say. Somewhere along the line, you begin to 
fall in love with the dream instead of the dream giver. Somewhere along the line, you, you actually worship the dream instead of the dream giver. And it's not obvious when it happens. But uh, this is a very real thing for me right now in this moment. Uh, these last 60 days have been so intense. Um, I don't even know what day it is. Most, I know it's a Sunday. But like most days, like, I'm like, I, I don't even know what day it is. Um, and God's been dealing with, with me specifically on this these last two days. He's been saying, son, um, are, you, are you really seeking after me? Or is it this dream that I've given you? He's been talking to me, saying the, the primary, the primary, the ultimate dream, like A, is relational, dynamic union with me. And from there, you run after your dreams. God has created you to dream. I really need you to hear that that is secondary. Primary, God has created you to have an unbelievable relationship with him. He wants so badly for you to know him in a real way. He wants so badly to remove the hoops and the morality that you think that's the only way you can really know. He wants to know you in such a real, dynamic, intimate way. Are you seeking the heart of God this morning? And for some of us, this is why we came right now. Man, we got the two reversed. We're so excited doing work for God and following this dream and and if, if Jesus were here today, he might say, man, I think you've forgotten your first love. And in no way is this moment a time of, uh, you know, beating you up about that. It's an invitation. That's what I love about Jesus. He just says return. He says return. In the New Testament, we see a word called repent, and we misunderstood that so often because we see Jesus with like a fist, like ready to... Repent! I think it's more like son, daughter, repent, turn, come home. I love you. Man, I want to hang. I want to spend time with you. Seek me. God has created us to dream, and the way I want to finish, I told you I wasn't going to talk long. The way I want to finish is this. Um, I want to actually challenge you to make a bold decision. It's way too easy to just walk out these doors and never do anything. Uh, I steal this phrase, these two phrases from Jarrett, and I act like they're mine. Okay, this is what pastors do. Um, <laughs> we gather to go moments that lead to movement. I use them all the time, so thank you, Jarrett. Um, this is what I love about Soul City is they want your life to actually look different because you came here today or because you're in a small group that's so much bigger than just today. Trust me, seven's greater than one. Still that one too. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My hope, I've been praying about this so much, is that you guys will leave differently than how you walked in those doors. And so here's what I want to do. Some of you, two people I want to talk to real quick. Some of you, as I was talking about a dream, like you're like, all right, he's talking right to me. There's something that God's put in your heart you can't escape. You can't escape, and you've been trying to. And I'm not saying you need to go plant a church. Some of you need to stay where you're at. I don't know. But there's a dream. There's something that God has put in your heart. And when I've been talking 
This morning, you're like, yep, he's talking to me, and you've been, you've been hiding from it, you've been running from it, you've been rationalizing, you've been explaining away, well, it'll never work, I don't have the money right now, it's just not time. Can I just tell you there's never the right time? You never have the money, okay, ever. And if you do, then it's probably not a God-ordained dream. Just going to say it, all right? Can I just be that guy? I'm just going to say it out loud. <laughs> you're never ready. That's the bad news. That's the bad news. But the good news is when you step out, friends, there is this God that made you that will catch you. All right? When you step out and you're terrified, there's, there's this God whose hand will, will come right around you and he's going to walk with you. Some of you, today is the day, July 3rd, and you just thought you were going to hear a sermon about Independence Day or something. <laughs> Today's the day. Today is the day, man, to put a stake in the ground saying, you know what, this dream that God's put in me, I'm taking action, measurable action, this week. I'm doing it. I'm telling a friend, I'm texting a friend, even right now, I don't, it won't bother me. I'm doing it, right now. This dream that God has put in you must be released. So if that's you, I want you to stand your feet right now. Be bold. If you can't be bold in here, you're never going to be bold out there. So be bold. Stand your feet. All right? Awesome. Love it. Praise God. So awesome. There's a second group I want to just speak to real quick. You're like, John, I want one of those. <laughs> I want one of those dreams. How do I get one of those? You don't go to a conference, all right? You don't go online. You don't like try to create this dream. And if you do, it'll be, you know, it probably not, isn't going to turn out too well. But those of you that are saying, all right, I, I, I'm ready to just go like this with my hands, saying, God, I'm ready to use my one and only life for something significant with eternal impact. And you're saying, God, would you speak into my heart? I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're 12. I don't care if you're 85. God is still in the business of giving dreams, fresh dreams. And if that's you and you're saying, God, would you speak to me today? I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to stand to your feet. And I want to pray for both these groups of people. We came today not to see a show. We came today to meet with God. That's why you came. That's why I came. So, Father, in the power of your spirit, God, we see this in your scriptures, this prophecy in Joel 2 that just moves our hearts, and in Acts 2, where a a mark of your spirit is on this uh, a community that is dreaming. And I love it how it says that the old, they're going to be dreamers, because it's never too late. It's going to say that, it says that the young, they're going to see visions. God, you created us to dream. You didn't create us to go through the motions. You didn't create us, God, you didn't create us to exist. You created us to live with vitality, with purpose, with meaning, with vigor. So in the power of your spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that is within the heart of every believer in this room, we ask, we pray, God, that you would do something significant in this moment, this first group, There's no telling, God, the impact that's going to happen. It's going to happen through them. They're stepping out right now. They've put a stake in the ground. There's no returning. They're moving forward. And for this second group, God, as they open their hearts, the best that they know how, would you speak to them? Would you give them a word? God, would you give them a face? Would you give them a name? Would you give them something? Give them a block in this city Or in another city, God, give them a dream that matters, a dream that moves the kingdom of God forward. A dream that makes much of you. A dream that exalts you.
And God, for everyone in this room and for this church, God, I ask that we would seek your heart. God, help us not get confused on this. God, may this church not forget its first love. Please, God, please, God, we pray for this. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said, amen.